1: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
0: You're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs, the podcast where I speak to musicians, comedians and now actors about the part-time jobs they had before you know them for what they do now. This is the first episode I've got with an actor and it comes in the form of Ewan MacIntosh, who you might know best for being Keith in the UK office. He's the guy with the scotch egg and dressed up as Ali G and DJed at the office party which actually led him on to some more jobs as you're about to find out. So here we go, Ewan MacIntosh. Thanks for listening. Subscribe, tell your friends. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for coming in, chatting to me. That's all right. Um, what's been going on since we uh, since we spoke on the bus, the one seven seven Thamesmead?
2: Oh well, I can't remember what I
0: told you on the bus. Not a lot. You said you were working on Shadow of the Dead.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's got a release date now. Should I? Uh... Yeah, please do plug away. Yeah, Shadow of the Dead. So it's uh, it's like a fun comedy horror film. Uh, with some uh, uh American stars in it uh Bill Moseley Michael Berryman Kane Hodder um and also uh BAFTA award winning uh, Lauren Soker so and you're one of the lead writers you are the lead writer no no i'm acting in it okay so i didn't have anything to do with the writing of it but it was uh, we, it's funny because we did it a long we made it a long time ago and it went through a lot of um issues because Kind of, it was getting funded from abroad and they had some uh, dispute with the people funding it. And then afterwards it needed, uh, it kind of needed a lot of post-production because it's a horror film. Uh, so it's, you know, has a lot of work needed on it. So that took a while to get done. And uh, so in May it'll be uh, it'll be available hopefully for, for download as well.
0: Great. And that's taken up uh, most of the most of your time.
2: No, well, I've done a, since, then I've done another film which is coming out as well uh, this year, which uh, has been called various things. The last I'd heard, it was called Fubar, but now it's called Killer Weekend. So that is like again, yeah, that's another sort of horror film. It's about stag weekend uh, that goes wrong, uh, and that's uh, got Mark Heap in it, myself, various other people. Uh, and that again is i think going to be around about may as well coming out okay how, how many
0: projects do you sort of typically work on at any one time
2: well the, th- the weird thing with the with this industry is that the when you're working on something um there's not much point plugging it because in the in film industry sometimes it won't actually make it onto screen until two years later so both these i'm going to be starting doing publicity for for Shed of the Dead, uh, in, you know, quite a few things this year, lots of, like, conventions and festivals and so on. And again, you know, that was made a long time ago. And I did another film, The Bromley Boys, which came out at the end of last year, and we're, do- we're doing a-, a live version of that. So we'll be doing that again. I think it's all all coming sort of May, that sort of time, when it's all happening. Uh, so we'll be doing a live stage version in Bromley of that and kind of showing the film at the same time.
0: Would you, would you consider sort of th- this, th- you know, having those projects on in the last sort of year or two? Is is this one of the busier times of your career?
2: Uh, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. In terms of uh, that sort of level of film and being a kind of one of the the main uh, characters in them, it's definitely been uh, been a busy couple of years. Yeah. So you um, you went
0: to uni to study linguistics. W- when you were yeah. there,
2: were was the you know the idea
0: of being an actor was that was that there somewhere?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd be honest. The main sort of the main reason I chose Edinburgh was uh, was because of the festival, knowing I'd be able to do stuff in the festival, and that's my careers officer at school was a big proponent of Edinburgh. He was a big like fan of the arts as well, and he said, "You oh, you should definitely go to Edinburgh, and you'd love it there." And
0: was there that was that because you'd
2: said to him as a teenager at school, you know, this is what I like? To well, be. he knew that I was because at school I was in school plays and uh, involved in various drama and stuff like that so he knew that anyway uh so yeah that was his advice really um and so that's what happened and so I did I went to Edinburgh to study and then I got involved in a lot of like comedy stuff and drama stuff while I was there and yeah I did the festival every year you know every summer I would kind of either I'd get a temp job and and do stuff do do art stuff and festival stuff and go and watch loads of comedy and it was great was that good
0: for meeting people prospective agents and writers and
2: yeah i guess so i mean it wasn't until like a bit further down the line that all started to happen i think in the early days it's more about just learning getting getting stage time and kind of learning what it's like and learning how to put a show together and how to do like a fringe run and how to kind of pace yourself and that sort of thing it's all a big learning curve
0: how many years was that period
2: uh oh I mean, I did the fringe every year for about ten years. And so when I, old when the I first time stayed on. Was... Um, uh, well, was the first time I would have been, I guess, eighteen or nineteen. Yeah, and then so, and so in my sure first it. year, my first yeah after my first year uh, of being a student, I was involved in the, like the improv comedy show that we did. So that was my first taste of it, and yeah, just kind of built up from there, really.
0: What was your first paid job, acting?
2: Um, first paid job acting would probably have been, a, it was a sketch show, uh, called Comedy Nation, which was on the BBC in sort of the late 90s, uh, and that had loads of, it was very low budget, and late night, but it had loads of kind of people who are now household names that had like Sasha Baron Cohen on it, and Mitchell and Webb, and all sorts, just doing sketches, and and, and little funny bits, so that was the first thing, yeah. And before
0: that, when you were at uni, were you um, were you working? Did you have any side jobs?
2: Yeah, I did. Uh, I mean, I had, uh, for years, even after I'd started doing the comedy stuff, I was uh, working for a market research company uh, in a phone centre. So that was in Edinburgh. And then when I moved to London, I, they had uh, offices in London as well. So I managed to, to keep the job when I came down to London from Edinburgh. What were they doing research for? Well, that was Maury, So they did research for whatever. You know, they did a lot of stuff for newspapers TV, they did a lot of stuff for like consumer companies, stuff. consumer stuff, and yeah. all sorts. Yeah. Were you good at it? I was, I was all right at it. Yeah, I think so. I think they had a lot of people from like music and arts backgrounds because it was, it was like flexible. Then nowadays they call it, you know, sort of zero hours contracts. But back then it was like, you know, it was seen as, a, as kind of a good thing for people who needed to give off an audition or do gigs.
0: And I presume someone who's quite good on the phone, someone who can sort of talk.
2: Yeah. I, mean, for, I was lucky that because that, that was kind of uh, the thin end of the wedge doing the phone stuff. And by the time I'd been there for a couple of years, I was like more of a manager, so I was like in charge of of looking after teams and monitoring them and like overseeing the projects and doing a bit of training of of people as well. So I kind of got for, for, for most of my time there, I wasn't necessarily on the phones. I was mo- I was much more kind of managing stuff.
0: How did you deal between? I suppose you you must have been still quite driven to be an actor because that's a, a labour of love, as it were. Did you ever think like, oh, I'm going to fuck it off and because this is a job, this has got money?
2: Yeah, there was a there was a point where, I I had to make a a big decision where they offered me, a contract, uh, and actually to become one of the executives there, um, and I if I if I'd done that, then that would have been basically admitting that. The other stuff wasn't going to happen. I mean, I did. Uh, uh, looking back, I can't remember. I, th- I seem to think at the time I didn't give it that much thought. I wasn't going to do it. But it was kind of, you know, it was regular. So it would have been a regular income and regular money and, and kind of all that. But by that point, I think I decided that if I was going to be in London, I couldn't do that sort of a job because the rush hours were just too horrendous getting in and out of work
0: central line yeah I was I was
2: uh for me it was Clapham Junction into Waterloo every morning and you know the crowds were about seven or eight deep yeah so you had to you couldn't even get onto the train you had to wait for about two trains before you could even get onto one yeah and then you were just sort of crushed against the door and it was it was pretty soul-destroying you know for for, at that time and that was one of the things I thought well if I'm going to be doing something I'm not going to be doing it office hours and I'm not going to be uh myself through that every day (laughs) yeah so yeah i decided to keep that more temporary and if you weren't an exec the good thing with mori then was if you weren't an exec you could choose your hours so you could uh, you could work either nine to five or you could do 2 p.m till 9 p.m great so i would mainly do that because then you could avoid all the yeah the, the, the rush and everything
0: and were you were you writing then
2: yeah writing put doing gigs all sorts really so you still had to outside of
0: work you had a fairly you know booked up calendar
2: yeah i mean we we did a lot of ruckus. we all the other guys who I was writing with had sort of temp jobs, so we'd spend, we'd do mainly spend the weekends sort of writing mm. and then if we had gigs they'd normally be in the evenings uh, so we did a lot of stuff at places like the Helen and Chickens and the etc theater and that sort of thing uh, so yeah weekends we did, we sort of wrote and uh, yeah just did the, the the jobs during the week and when how soon after
0: that did uh, did the office cast come?
2: Uh, well the office job came when when it came i guess sort of around 2000 so yeah quite quite soon after moving down i guess a year or so maybe over a year, year or two year and a half something like that
0: and throughout the filming of the first series were you working those other jobs you, you were you were still no because
2: doing... i couldn't do the others because when we were doing the office for like five or six weeks it was you couldn't do anything else because you were there every day monday to friday mm. kind of Eight or six, really. When did it become
0: clear that that would be a break of of sorts for you?
2: Uh, not until a few years after the first not not for quite a long time after filming the first series. Yeah, uh, definitely, it wasn't. Uh, it didn't sort of immediately lead to lots of other work or anything like that. It was a really slow process.
0: So, do you remember? Like, do you remember sort of that office job finishing? And then being like, okay, what's next?
2: Well, I knew I did. I went straight back to my other job. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but that was all I was ever going to do. I mean, did once, you know once it, the Office finished, you know, it wasn't going to. It wasn't even going to go on air. When you finish filming something, it doesn't go on air for at yeah. least another six months, maybe more. So yeah, I mean, no no one knew I'd been in a show called The Office. I just went straight back to work. Like. Did
0: you not find yourself telling your mates, be like, oh, you know, I've just done this job, and I think it might be pretty good?
2: Not particularly, I think. Most of my mates were doing other, doing jobs in other little comedy shows on the BBC at the same time, and yeah, and no one thought the Office was was going to be any different to any other show, really. Yeah, that's funny,
1: yeah.
0: and and so when the when the Baftas came in and the and the Golden Globes, tell me like what was that period of time for you like?
2: Oh, I mean that was a lot lot later, obviously. Um, well, not only a few years. Yeah, a years, but a long time, you know. Was, yeah. Well, by then it had gradually built up and built up, and so by then it was kind of uh, more of a known thing, and I was, doing other, I was doing other stuff then as well, so I was more doing comedy stuff then, because I was doing a, a sort of a, on a writing contract to the production company, and we were like putting little pilots and little TV stuff together at the same time, so. Had your uh, horizons broadened? no they'd always been to kind of do well in, in like that area in the british kind of comedy yeah. tv area so that was that was kind of i mean i did i'd always kind of had a desire to to kind of to to do films and to act in films and yeah maybe horror and horror comedy is kind of a genre that i really enjoyed so it was nice to after it was nice after a while to actually get to do some of those sort of things
0: If you could imagine sort of a career, sort of like has another career ever piqued your interest?
2: Well, I do. It's it's hard to say. You know, the career I have now isn't one thing because I do a lot. I do lots of different things. So I I do the. I still do acting, but I still do. But I also do sort of DJing now. Yeah. For parties and for like weddings and that sort of thing, I do a lot of uh, quizzes, host quizzes. Like a lot of them are based on the office or so the quiz tour for uh, for done a lot of quizzes all over the country, as well. So those are those are things that I enjoy doing. And uh, this thing is it's really difficult to make a career as an actor, and so only about two percent of the actors in this country actually make a full time living doing it. Yeah. So most actors will have something else they do. So I have the, like the quizzes as well and the DJing and so on. So. Um. Yeah, it's nice to to add little little strings to your bow as you go along. Do you find that sort
0: of? I guess there's always a particular, you know, certain amount of stress with that sort of like freelance foundation. Does that stress you know egg you on? Does it? Is it? Is it a positive factor?
2: I think so. I mean, I, I've I've been lucky that, I, like I said, the last few years I've been quite lucky in that I've had a fair amount enough work to get by quite easily, and uh, especially with the quizzes coming in, and uh, it's it, it's been. Uh, it's been fun you know I've been able to to mix and match stuff so I think that's the but that's the the best thing about what I do is is I can no day is ever the same you know there's always it's always different you're always doing a different project and meeting different people so the downside is I can never remember who anyone is because you were with so many people over the years yeah uh and going to the quizzes and meeting about you know Hundred people a night and shaking everyone's hand, and and you go, yeah, you just find that everyone just becomes a blur, which is which makes you seem you know, slightly uh, rude occasionally, but yeah, it's kind of difficult, you know, to keep a track (laughs) because you do meet so many people, it's mad. Have you
0: got a particularly embarrassing moment of of your career that you'd like to share?
2: Embarrassing moment of my career? Well, I did do, uh, I wouldn't say it's embarrassing because I'm pretty thick skinned, but. I did do the, uh, I did do the advert for UK Gold, where I was walking along the beach in my in gold hot pants, to advertise their comedy season. But to be fair, they paid me quite well and they flew me out to Cape Town for a week to do it. So yeah, great. That's I not bad. Yeah, that, I don't think no. Um, what else? I don't know. I guess I put, if there's anything too bad, i have probably blanked it out. <laughs> To be honest, it it made me
0: think of that. You know, sort of meeting someone that you've met before who's particular. You know, maybe a particular producer, or
2: oh yeah, I'm sure that's happened. I'm sure that's happened. uh, But you kind of you probably wouldn't know at the time because you don't you don't recognise them. Probably people have walked off cursing me (laughs) under their breath. Yeah, 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 I'm sure.
0: Have um have you had to sort of had much control over over your uh, over your rate over over your fee? Is that something that you've decided? over the years or is it have you got an agent
2: i've got an agent so she mainly handles that i mean i handle it myself for for like quizzes but that's fairly standard for Mm. i I kind of i sort that out fairly early on Mm. and the same for the djing so i handle like the quizzing and the djing and i i sort mainly sort that out myself but yeah no for acting and all that it's best to leave that to the agent really yeah nice any plans to, to for djing this year yeah i've got a couple of things booked in um so I've got a a fiftieth birthday party uh, booked in uh, in April. Yeah, and then I nice. think I've got a wedding coming up as well uh, later in the year as well. So. How
0: how difficult are they in terms of people coming up to you just wanting to talk about?
2: I know the 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 worst thing about DJing is not that that doesn't happen. At all. DJing is people coming up looking for requests or getting angry that you're not playing the music <laughs> they want. Yeah, that's been by far the the, the most. Uh, aggro I've ever had in my career <laughs> is drunk people at, at birthday parties or weddings and it's the one you know the, so you get booked to do a wedding and, and it's like from somebody because they they saw you at the office and they want you because I was DJ in the office but then they bring with them all their like family and their relatives who don't have a clue who you are to you to, to them you're just another DJ so them coming up and going stop playing this and, and getting getting quiet in your face um, I had to kind of calm myself down a couple of times doing that because i wasn't used to it at all i've since spoken to friends who are, who are djs and they go yeah that's that's that just happens all the time <laughs> again when i started and i was doing it off cds and so on i just couldn't do requests because i didn't have enough you know i just couldn't do it now finally um now that i've kind of got spotify sorted you can pretty much if you've got wi-fi and you you've got this... Spotify Premium, which I've got, you can pretty much play anything yeah. if someone requests it.
0: Yeah, and you can get DJ Pro 2 or, or a program that sounds like that where you can Spotify's integrated if you've got Wi Fi. Oh really? Okay. So you can still actually mix quite well on that.
2: I, I find the Spotify now has got a thing where it mixes anyway. Oh no, it will crossfade. It crossfade yeah. yes. What what's so, your
0: usual playlist like?
2: Uh well it's it's all sort of I mean, when I started well, it was pretty similar to when I started, so it was just a lot of um kind of floor fillers, you know, so there's a lot of Stuff like teenage dirt Bag and, uh, you know, come on Eileen and tainted love and, uh, you know, I'm the cream of the crop, a rise to the top, all those ones, a bit of, bit of you know, a bit of anything, bit of Oasis, uh, nice, bit of Neil Diamond.
0: Have you ever had to warm up the dance floor yourself to get it going?
2: I wouldn't know how. <laughs> I wouldn't know how. I did. Uh, what did I uh, do? I did once get a whole wedding doing the conga to uh, MIA Paper Planes, which was, the thing a highlight. Nice. Yeah. Good song. Yeah, yeah. That normally does well. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that normally does well. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't had a gig since uh, since since all this R. Kelly stuff, but I'm worried I'll have to take my... Uh, uh, Ignition remix out of the set.
0: Yeah, it's it's tough because that is a certified banger. I know,
2: absolutely, absolutely. It's been an absolute winner every time. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's one that kind of that kind of young and old all seem to like it.
0: What about MJ? How do you feel about that situation that's going on now? Uh, Would you take? Him I'll off tell you your what. Playlist? I've
2: I've never, weirdly, I've never really been an MJ fan, and I've never. I've, I think I've I've only ever had him on as if it's been requested. Yeah. So he's not in my normal uh set list. so
0: um so the, the, this podcast started off as and continues to be uh a thing about part-time jobs of artists like you yeah, said half yeah. you know um what what jobs did you have what was your first job at, you know as a 12
2: 13 year old if you uh, did have one then I, I I wrote the forward to a book about worst jobs in the world Yeah really? Yeah You're perfect Uh this. yeah and um and my one was uh I was a uh, and it was a terrible, terrible job, and I didn't last very long at all, and I was a cleaner at a sergeant's mess in the barracks. A sergeant's so mess. my dad was in the army. Oh, right. So we always lived near a barracks. And, uh, yeah, after, like, GCSEs, I think my mum decided I needed to get a part-time job. No, I think it was after my A-levels, actually, so I would have been, sort of, 17, and... Uh, yeah, I ended up getting this job as a cleaner and as a as mess, and I just absolutely hated it, and I was terrible at it.
0: And that's a that's the cafe, that's the cafeteria.
2: No, no, it's like the living quarters, the toilets, the showers, the yeah, the the kind of the the area or the TV area, like the whole build. They live there and they they work there and they live there. And that's where they go, you know, when they're not doing their army stuff. So it was like, yeah, cleaning toilets, cleaning showers, hoovering, you know, polishing, and I was terrible at it. And uh, I was I was really sort of shy back then, and I didn't really speak to anyone on breaks. And um, yeah, and I, I went in I, I, after about a week. I went in, and uh, I went to my cupboard to get my cleaning stuff out, and it wasn't there. And I saw someone else with it, and I thought, oh, I guess this isn't that doesn't look good. And they went, oh yeah, Jane wants to see you, and I went through, and she was like, yeah, sorry, you fired or whatever. So it was pretty poor.
0: Have you uh, what's your what's your standing on the army?
2: Have you got any strong feelings about it? Uh, no strong feelings. Uh, my dad was in it sort of as a. He wasn't really a, a military person. He he was in it because he was a teacher and he got paid better to teach in the army than uh, in civilian life. So he always, yeah, he always said to me, my brother, he didn't want us to join the army. Yeah. It was never a, an okay. option. And I hated it because I had to do CCF at school, you know, where you have to dress up and be yeah. up. And yeah. we had to go off for a week in Snowdonia and do all this marching around and it was just a nightmare um so even from that I hated it even with even more of a passion uh so yeah my first the first job was a cleaner it was just it was just it was horrendous really
0: and what came after that did, did that sort of uh, did that sort of make you a bit uh, a bit hesitant
2: then I think I kind of gave up on a job after that and then I went to so then I would have gone to uni and then I started getting a Job, uh, for like doing again in a call center. Well, no, my first job at uni again was terrible. Was was being a barman, but it was being a barman at this horrible nightclub. Okay, uh, and it was just oh, it was always packed, uh, and it was open till like three. It was like the hour, It was like you get in at ten and work through to like three or four a.m. And uh, it was always absolutely mobbed. Uh. And so I did that for a while. And then I got a job, uh, for a charity doing like phoning. Start we started off doing stuff for Greenpeace. And then we did this, uh then we did this job for a charity called Go Ten for Africa. Uh I think that was involved that was part of Greenpeace as well. Uh that was Action Aid. That was it, Action Aid. I remember when Action Aid was massive. Yeah. So they had this idea that their kind of comet relief was they were gonna get um Phone get schools to do a thing called Go 10 for Africa, where on the 10th of the 10th, the 10th of October, they would like do 10 different activities at school and get sponsored to do them. And actually, they thought this is gonna be massive. Uh, <laughs> and we were at, we were the phone centre that was phoning around schools asking if we could send them a pack out and get them signed up. And it was alright. It wasn't too bad as as far as call centre jobs go. Yeah, I've done a lot of call centre jobs. I've never done sales. I think that would be a bit a bit too much. What was minimum wage back then? I'm presuming they were minimum wage. I can't remember. I guess it would have been something like six quid an hour or something. Yeah. Back then. This would have been in, um, yeah, sort of the mid-90s. Yeah. Yeah. You wanted to get out of there quick. I I quite liked that job. It was just in the summer and it was like, it was pretty good. The people there were really nice. Everyone was really chilled out. Uh, But it was only kind of temporary work. So then after I finished at uni, that's when I, I think I signed on for about a year back then when signing on was just easy. Yeah. Uh, so I signed on and I was, but I was still obviously doing all the comedy stuff and then signing on just was like, which just wasn't doing it. And so then I ended up going to Mori and getting the job there. Yeah. So that was really my, that's really my whole yeah employment history really. When
0: you say it like that, it sounds quite, it sounds quite steady <laughs> Has it felt that.
2: No, I think um, I say a year signing on it's probably more. It's probably a bit more, and that that was pretty. That got pretty depressing. The thing is because I still had a lot of friends uh, who were still students, and uh, so whenever whenever anyone was going out, you couldn't go out, you know, because yeah. you couldn't afford it. So it got a bit depressing, and I remember I had that period where I literally was going around trying to sell all my CDs to all the CD shops who would like accept. Secondhand cds and you'd get like 50p for a cd or yeah a fiver for a bunch for like five or something it was like so i basically sold off my entire cd collection that year